Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foreign Football Podcast. This is Harris Fumitso, one of your hosts, with my co-host, Mr. Patrick Monaghan, the man and only Patrick. How are you doing, my friend? Excellent. Thank you. Um, another great day, another interesting day, and yeah, just another great day. Just happy to be here, happy to chat football. It's been an interesting week. You already know. You already know, man. Uh, February 23rd, 2021. You know, we don't have a lot of these days. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month. It's a great day. It's a great day. So, Patrick, tell me, have you watched all the Champions League games? A lot of, lot of activities. Champions League is back around 16. There are pretty, pretty beautiful games this, uh, today and last week as well. What, what are your thoughts on them? So, today, um, we had Bayern... Four to one against Lazio, not too much of a surprise over there. One zero Chelsea against. I mean, wait, wait, wait! But four one though. That's four four one. Okay. They're playing and they're playing in in Stadio Olimpico as well. They're playing in in Roma. I'll say this: four to, the score line is a surprise, but maybe not a surprise that that Bayern won. Although Lazio is a good squad, actually, to their credit. So. I'm not going to, you know, and I'm not going to say that I thought Lazio would win, but 4-1 is surprising. Then we got... Yeah, I, did, I did not expect 4-1 at least, but yeah, no. but that confirmed, that confirmed that Bayern, when they're in Champions League, they, they bring the beast mode out. They, the thing about Bayern is they bring such a different mentality in the Champions League. It's the level of intensity. It, it just goes t- like to the 99th degree it goes to the highest level you see them and that level of concentration that level of focus they're playing like a club on not only on a mission but they're they're playing tenacious they're going to be very 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 difficult to beat and especially with other sides that maybe kind of were looking good but and maybe had some level of ferociousness but not playing as well you know you got Chelsea 1-0 against Atletico you have Porto two to one against Juve, Dortmund three to two Sevilla, four to one PSG over Barca, and two to nothing Liverpool over Leipzig. There's a couple of matches that I know that really caught my eye. Harris, you know, I don't know if you want to discuss this first or if you want to go or how you want to do it, but I know there's a game that you really want to discuss. Of course, you already know. know. You already know. I mean, Paris against Barcelona. You have to, you have to sit up and admire El Maestro, Kylian Mbappe. Three goals at Campo. It doesn't happen every time. I'm sure if you had fans in the stadium, you would have stood up and clapped. Standing ovation. I mean, he really stepped up. You have to admit and take into consideration that Neymar was not played. Obviously, Paris has lost against Barcelona. Very badly, uh, man. It's been times of flying now. I think it's over five years ago. It was 2016, six one. And they will never forget that. It's a, it's it's a, it's it's this big injury that Paris needed to heal and to overcome it in such a fashion in Barcelona. Congrats to them. Of course, we still have the second leg that will be in Paris. That will determine how well they will do. But that performance against Barcelona, we say in French, chapeau. So, so that was my take on that. 
Chapeau. I, I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, like le- the way I was thinking about it like this, when I was watching it, I'm thinking, I was thinking Paris, but for, it's the scoreline to me is what comes off. And I think that if any, if people didn't already know, this is a PSG side that is determined. And I think maybe last year there was questions of, okay, yeah, they did great, but are they going to be able to sustain it? And to me, I think they're answering those haters and I think they're answering the questions now. And what my question is, is, is there a chance for Barca coming back? We've seen Barca in the past be able to come back from deficits. I don't think so. But I think you have to look at it and say, this is a PSG side that outside of Bayern, in my eyes, I think that they're one of the front runners, especially with, okay, I know they beat Leipzig, but I don't think Liverpool is going to be much of a contender Juventus is struggling no. both in league Juventus is struggling both in Syria and then not to be disrespectful but you know two to one against Porto but Porto is a different Juventus animal in Champions League that's the thing yeah. though and then Dortmund even they, three they are three. but I mean I mean but they're not as good as they used to be that's so true that's true it's not like Porto was as great as they used to be so losing for Juve to lose two one against Porto just show how Juve is struggling this year. I don't. I think they could have. They could have get a draw, but uh, I mean, it's putting Porto. Of course, they score a goal away, which count twice. But Porto can just go to Juve and and relax a little bit because we we're still having the lead. This is forcing Juve to score at home, which is and and to your point, they haven't been playing very well. What do you so. think is the is the background behind that? Like, if your Juventus going in. Is, do you think that there's pressure weighing from the fact that playing very poorly in, in Calcio, does that play an effect going into the Champions League of kind of thinking we've been playing poorly, Is this is kind of something we have to focus on? And it, I didn't see that level of focus when I was watching it. To me, I, I don't right. think it, that they have the tenacity. No, it does. I mean, they're struggling overall. I mean, even Ronaldo is not scoring as much goal as before. I mean, he scored this past weekend. However, I would say they have the team, they have a new coach. It's, it's a lot of changes. Some players that are injured, and that doesn't take the credit away from Porto. But Juve is struggling, and they can potentially lose. So that's, uh, that's a struggle you're facing. And then, you know, as somebody like them is playing poorly, then I think the thing that caught my eye was today seeing Chelsea going against Atletico, get one nothing, and... What a, I'm sorry to fan out, but what a beautiful, a beautiful goal today by Giroud. Giroud is one of those players that's always been kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, undervalued. And I think today when I'm looking at somebody like him and I'm seeing the way that he performs, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm kind of questioning it. I'm seeing the way Chelsea's doing and they're doing really well. You know, you, you get a great goal like that. And then the other side, the one match I think that was, to me, probably the best match of them all, not the one that fans get excited about, but as a La Liga fan, the Sevilla-Dortmund game, I mean, woo! Dort- Dortmund's a different animal, recent in the Champions League at least. With Holland, Sancho, I mean, man, they, they're tough to beat because Sevilla's, to me, I wonder what you think about this, but I think Sevilla is a type of club not good enough for the Champions League, but when you put them in Europa League, they're machines. 
We've seen that before. We've seen their performance in the past. I believe it was three straight Europa League titles. I, I think they're very good in Europa League, but Champions League, I think Dortmund's better. I think Dortmund's a team that's a proven talent and knows what to do. But, oof, sheesh. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they won. I mean, Dortmund has a proven track record in the Champions League, whereas they do have it, but only in, uh, only in uh, Europa League, right? They're, they're, they're beasts in Europa League. But it was a fairly good game. Uh, it was. I think Dortmund just proved it again that they have a beast mode with them. Like, Haaland, <laughs> that kid is, is something. And that goal he scored, that, that kick on the, with the left foot, oh, what such a beauty. Such a beauty. So, yeah, no, I think uh, it's a, it was a fairly good game. Uh, I would say two teams on average, or it was a pretty good matchup overall. Dortmund came back on the top with the experience and the young talent we have, they have. I thought Seville could have done better because we're playing at home. So it'll be interesting to see the second leg. To be honest, I, I still see this game very open, not like you, but of course, Dortmund has an edge. However, uh, I see it going 50-50. Seville can go to Dortmund and win it. Right? So it'll be a very interesting game. What do you think is Seville's perspective going into it? You know, you look at it and it's, it's three two. But it win. doesn't take much. Yeah, you have to <laughs> you win. Have to but... win. I mean, it's like you have to win. But I think this is where the not having fans can be a true benefit and an advantage for a side like Sevilla is going in and then not having to play and not having to go against BVB Army. I mean, there is a there is a benefit Absolutely. again. I if it was me and I'm Sevilla, I would feel confident about the side going in, especially when you look at. Um, What's the name of the, the, the striker they have? Um, what's his name? Ben Yedder, I believe is the... I forget the one they have. No, the, no, that's not Ben Yedder. Not ben Yedder, um, he's playing for Monaco now. Right. Um, so that's not Ben Yedder. I don't remember the striker still. But. I forget the name, but they have a really, really fantastic striker. Um, Nasri, I believe. The, he's uh, Moroccan or something. But they, anyways, they have a very good side. Um, and I think the only other one... The only other matchup to me that was a little surprising, Liverpool 2-0 against Leipzig, considering a horrendous, horrendous form in the league. We're looking at four consecutive losses, which is the first time since 1923. And they also lost Everton to Marisside Derby. They at least got a little bit of a bright spot against Leipzig, but oof. Talk about talk about yeah, how the uh, champions uh, fall, man. Sheesh. Well, uh, I would not say right this like you. I think uh, you may order credit call on, on Liverpool. They the circumstances play in their favor. A lot of players are injured. I mean, their whole defensive backline is is gone. They still have the the backs, uh, Robertson. He's still there, and uh, Alexander Arnold still there. But overall, I mean, everyone is injured. So that, that put them in a, in a big struggle. The game against Man City was not that bad of a game. Unfortunately, Allison had did those two mistakes that cost them, which was unfortunate. But I felt like they, they, they came into the game well. And then, yeah, after that, they kind of flutter a little bit. They, they did flutter. They lost the game. Leicester uh, has been poor. That game in, in the Champions League, though, was was convincing. They won 2-0. They're... Their striker looked very sharp. And then we come into a game this weekend and Liverpool lose. So it's tough. Man, Henderson got injured. 
so he had to left to leave the, the field. So it, it's it's tough on the reigning champion, but I see Liverpool at least going to the quarterfinal. Uh, I see them going to the quarterfinal, and things change very quickly. I mean, the one thing about football is momentum plays a big role. Uh, every sports, right? But I think football and and basketball especially are. You know, just relate to that uh, well. The momentum is very effective. And if the momentum change for Liverpool, again, the striker come back very sharp because the striker team is still around. They, they can overturn a lot of things. They, they, I don't see them catching up with Man City, that's for sure. Man City is a trend, man. When they start taking off, you can catch up. So I don't see them catching up with Man City. But let's see, they're struggling. It's, it's tough. Uh, Club has to pull something. I think he needs to start stop blaming his um, putting on injuries and start being more creative instead of being pessimist every time. I think we can they can bounce back to be in finishing the top three, but he he has to pull up something very quickly. What are your perspective on it? What are your thoughts? I agree in the sense of I think it's been too critical. There's been. I don't think there's been enough understanding. You know, we kind of hold it at the regard of, okay, this is the defending champion. So the automatic assumption is you're going to be at, at your highest level and you're going to be performing and almost cruising. Right. But the amount of injuries they've had this year has been astonishing. And I mean, you tell me losing Van Dyke and some, you tell me that you can't go and that's not going to affect you. You're going to be able to drop points from that. I, I mean, I don't understand how fans can be, and, and not even just fans, but the media can be so critical when we're all things said and done, okay, they played poorly, but we also didn't expect someone like Man City to get 18 wins in a row. You know, we saw Chelsea and Tottenham playing really well before Tottenham dropped points. It's, it's like, okay, you want to go and say that you're surprised and then Liverpool should be at this level. How are you going to be able to be maintaining top position in arguably the most competitive league in the world when you have a rash of injuries and also not even just injuries but then say somebody gets covid or there's something like that boom that's another person taken out so even for an extremely deep side like liverpool it's just impossible to overcome now again i think if we look at it traditionally they will probably finish in the top four the reason i say that is you have West Ham is currently fourth. You have Leicester third. I think this, I think you're going to still see Leicester. You're still going to see City. But I do think Liverpool is going to be able to creep into, who, who knows what position. Maybe it'll be third and Leicester creeps up to second. And then maybe they'll get in, Liverpool gets in third or fourth. But this is too deep a Liverpool side not to finish top four. And the other thing is underestimating the aspect of having been in recent seasons a Champions League winner and a Premier League winner. I do agree that Klopp needs to be more creative, but maybe in that sense, the kind of tribe sort of tactics, maybe that's something that's going to help him towards the long, I don't say long run, but maybe towards the end of the season. So I'm thinking this, I think top four and yeah, I'd say quarterfinals, uh, maybe semifinals depending on, on who the matchup is, but Again, I, I think, I don't want to say I think, I don't want to say I think City has it in the bag because I said I thought, you know, Liverpool had City it. City has it. They has it. I in know, the bag. I know, but City has it in the bag. They have it in the bag, but it's just I said it in the past and then 
you know, I had my cake and I had to eat it too. When so. did you say City had it in the bag? No, I didn't say City out. had it in the bag. I said, oh, I'm pretty confident that Liverpool is going to win the league. As soon as I said that, subsequently, and every back. single every single injury happened. And so... Yeah, but but that's... I mean, as soon as you say that, that the only team that passed in is probably City, right? Okay, if you look at it... Maybe you say this year. That was this year. So yeah. City passed But if you look at the previous year, every time City passed someone, they, they're done. They're so machines. I still think City, City is going to win it. Uh, it's too late. I mean, Liverpool is 10 points behind. Leicester is doing well, but I don't see them overcoming that. I mean, uh, sorry, not Liverpool is 10 points behind. Manchester United is 10 points behind City. So, I mean, that's the second. So I don't think no one is passing City. I don't think that's so. That's my I... take. February 23rd, 2021. Record that. City is <laughs> winning the league. Cemented. It's uh, it's already. It's, yeah, if, uh, if someone if someone want to prove me wrong, please <laughs> please be my guest. Uh, I'll be happy if it happened. Uh, you know, to have someone new win it again. I don't want Manchester United to win it, but it would be good for Leicester, West Ham to win it. The Hammers, you know. The, a big shout out to my uh, to my colleague and friend Vince Cadden. He's a Hammers fan, and he always said, "Harris, in order to be a Hammers fan, you have to be a shoes and one." <laughs> 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 so yeah so patrick you're getting close to uh, to wrap it up here last topic of the day i'll let you introduce it so this is from um clarence seedorf noted netherlands international and legend for milan by the way not only he says legend for real madrid legend for real madrid as well that has won the champions league with three different team i believe Madrid, Ajax, and with AC Milan. I think he's the only one. So having a legendary career, you would think that he'd have more opportunities. And he said recently, you know, he goes and says this. I played 12 years in Italy. And after coaching Milan, despite having done a great job, I received no calls. Holland in my country, yet again, no calls. What are the select? the selection criteria why do great champions have no chance in europe when they wrote pages of football history so what he's discussing is the lack of opportunities for black coaches and minority coaches in europe there's been only nine minority specifically black managers in the premier league history so i guess the question is this what is the la- what is the reason for the lack of opportunities and what must be done to change it? Harris, I'm going to let you take it first, and then I'll wrap it up. Sounds good. Well, I mean, the reasons, uh, I think there's just not much risk that a lot of team wants to take and give a chance to minority coaches. I mean, those guys have been mostly big players as well, and uh, they need to be most of, I'll say, any minority coaches or black coaches need to be given more chances and to try um it's it's it's, and you look at you look at the top teams in 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 the world top soccer teams you want to see a minority coach leading those top teams the only one i can recall is frank rich card all the way back in 2003 to 20 2008 when he was coach of barcelona and he did successfully well. But after that, he went to Galatasaray for a year and then he finished in Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is 
this is a coach but as proof that as a tr <clears throat> excuse me track proven record with a club like Barcelona who took them back from from being second under Real Madrid back to the top I mean he had Rivaldo Saviola Ronaldinho at the time Samuelito that was the team of uh, Deco Samuelito Ronaldinho and Nilsson uh, that was a fantastic team right before uh, Guardiola came and they won a Champions League in 2006, I think, 2006. So it's surprising that he hasn't been anywhere. And the other one was probably Gullit, uh, his countrymate, who was also a coach. I think he coached several uh, Chelsea, coached several team in, in the UK, but that was a long time ago. And then he was recently assistant manager coach for the Netherlands. Sidorf tried. He tried with AC Milan. He was not successful. We have to admit it. But I sure since then he never got any chance again with a big team. I think he went to La Coronia uh, yeah, as a did. coach as well, but he was not successful, right? So he was not successful there. So, and then he went to Cameroon, and we have to admit it, he was not successful with Cameroon as well, uh, despite everything we can say. Uh, actually, maybe I, mm, I don't know if he won the Champions, I mean, the, the African Cup of Nations with Cameroon. See, analogy, now that I'm saying it. I think, I think what happened was this. I think he was the coach up until the, after, right? I, I think he was after because I I don't remember him winning. Yeah, I don't remember, I remember him winning Afcon with them. I don't think so as well because I think he was either he was let go before or he came after. I can't quite remember, but yeah. So, but I, I understand his point. Like Patrick Vieira was like. One of the last coach that I did pretty well, and those are legends. Like Chilean, he was a coach of Monaco, but he he didn't do well, and now he he's back in um, in Montreal, and that also because of Chilean's name, because of his long-standing career. That's what he got the position. And to the example we were talking about right before the call, if you take someone like me, and let's say I was you know, as a starting a coaching career track, but I never really played professionally. Would I, would I have I been given a chance? I'm not quite sure. So they need to be more diversity into the, into, into the soccer world and, and the team need to take more risk, but so that we can see what, what the, you know, minority coach can really do. That's, that'll be my take on it. Maybe there's a program that needs to be set I don't usually like program because many force things to be in the in the top of quarter. Um, but overall, if that's the way it has to be for team to have for coaches to have chances, you know, yeah, why not try? I usually like letting the market dictate things, but it doesn't. As of right now, you don't really see any, you know, minority coaches being given a, a chance. You don't, and the problem is this: they did implement a system similar to the Rooney rule that they had in the NFL, which in the Premier League, there's a rule that requires them to interview at least one minority, you know, applicant. But the, the problem is this. I understand the frustration from Seedorf, but I have a couple perspectives from it. Number one, at this point, I think the reason that there's maybe not as many opportunities for him specifically is just based on a lack of success. But I think the other thing is, A, has how many of them, has there been a lot of people, has there been a lot of ex, like star players that have been showing a, a significant amount of interest in coaching? You know, if you, 
I don't see someone like Eto having shown that much interest. If Eto, for example, was going to show, say he wanted to be an applicant, there's no doubt in my mind that Cameroon would take him. And again, yeah, but again, again, that's the, we're talking about Cameroon coaches, right? But we, that was not the point. But even, even, I mean, me being from Togo, I can let you know straight up. There are a lot of African continents, uh, African countries, sorry, that are peaking, you know, European coaches or whatever over exactly to represent them. They don't even peak some African coaches, and uh, you know, rights are different. Uh, some of the coaches did not perform well when they were there, but you're never really given a chance because there's a lot of there's a lot of expectation for result, and especially for national teams. I mean, the results are very short. You don't you don't work with those teams for a long period of time. Your players come, you prepare them for a game, they play and they leave, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't really develop players like you are. That's what we call them in French. They select team, right? You're not, you know, strictly a coach or maybe a manager. Like they select team. That's 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 the best name you can put them. They're selector, or however you want to define it, because we they just select players. They don't develop them. So it's tough for a country manager to really be given the time to to really develop players and put his system in place. And that's it's two thing. different strategy. The the problem is too is you're looking at it and it's like okay you're given a short leash especially being an international manager if I'm managing say the USA or I'm managing I'll give example say Nigeria if I'm managing Nigeria I know I'm going to have a very very short leash and the fact of the matter is okay even if they get the opportunity I feel like a lot of these minority managers don't get maybe as much of a longer leash. And one of the reasons is this, I think it's just that what Clarence is saying is that there's not that initial opportunity. I think that if upon that initial opportunity, that as long as there was some level of success, the assumption would be that, okay, you would be able to get something even if, you know, towards the end of the tenure, it didn't go well. But I think the problem is it's like a one strike you're out type of situation. It's not, you know, we look at say someone like, David Moyes or Hodgson, guys in the past that, you know, have been, you know, let go of certain positions, but have always been able to get another job. Part of what being, you know, a veteran manager is being able to get that. I think the complaint is for someone like Clarence, okay, I understand not having that much success, but even then I would still think that there would be a level to get a job with at least a lower level side in Eredivisie and Okay, with Thierry Henry, okay, fair. He didn't do that well with Monaco. But maybe this is an opportunity in and of itself with both Henry and Vera. Could the MLS be that launching pad to for minority managers to get their you know, feet wet into the ocean, into sea, and get that opportunity and springboard it? Yeah, maybe, I mean... Uh, maybe that's the I opportunity. Well, well, Vieira's already done it, and he, he did it with Manchester City. But again, these are coming back because those players are big names. And you, know, you tell me it's the same thing for Pirlo as well. He would have never got Absolutely. Uh, the position at, at Juve if it wasn't Pirlo. Right? You know, it was the first job. So your name carry you very far. I think what Sidorv is arguing for is not only that, is like he's not getting chance in... Greece in, in, or in the something. Netherlands, his yeah. own country. 
not even Greece. I mean, those, I mean, those are far. Like, what about? No, the I'm just saying, like, not like the the highest level of competition, but but that the, that doesn't matter. I won't even not to you, but like. I won't even consider the Netherlands as a highest level of competition. They either, aren't, right? <laughs> Not at all. Exactly, and and that's his country. He has played for how long with, you know, with the national team has won everything. I mean, he's one of the most decorated player in the Netherlands. Exactly. But so he's not even given a chance, even in second division of the Netherlands. You know, FC Utrecht would have caught them, or I'm not even saying Feyenoord or Rotterdam or the other club, but he. You know, he was not given a chance. So I think that's that's the point he's trying to make. And maybe that's where it starts. Because a lot of players that are international big teams, like like Villa was given a chance with Nice. He did okay. Uh, he just got recently let go, but he did okay. Maybe that's how we should start. Start in your own country and be given a chance. And then you go up the rank. That's usually how things goes. Or you start from your former, cl- uh, former club like uh, what Sidov did, actually, with AC Milan. Uh, and he, he didn't do terribly, but I guess maybe, maybe I think it's the perception of the owner as well, right, or the sporting director. What, what type of value do we give to minority coaches? I think that's kind of how it is, too. Because in France, for example, I'll take the, the example of Antoine Comboye, but he's coach for FC not right now. He was coach of Paris Saint-Germain. He's been, I think, as African, uh, I'm sorry, or as a black coach, he's been one of the, who has the longest tenure, I, I believe right now, at least in the French Premier League, in the French, in the La Liga. He coached through Paris, he coached Toulouse, he's recently been coach of Nantes. Like, I think he coached Kangon at some point. Like, he, he gets a lot of jobs. So, he established himself, so, which is great. He was a former player as well. He played for Paris, so he's pretty well known. But that's pretty much him. I think McKinley is, t- is coaching a team in Belgium right now. So the, 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 the t- coaches are, have to go fish in lower level countries. But we need to admit as well, it's a very competitive world to be a coach. It's, That's true. it's not easy. It's a very competitive world. So there's a lot of proven records that need to be established. And, and you have to show success, which is, you know, which, which is hard. But sometimes club could not afford to to um, you know, to lose some players. I mean, sorry, to to lose some points in the league. So they need guaranteed success. So we will take a risk if they really know you and they, they believe. But I think maybe maybe to your point is in the interview process. You know, how do you give someone an opportunity to have a shot to present his idea at least? That's you know, I'm not part of that that overall uh, ecosystem. But maybe that's where there's some opportunity. Yeah, I agree, and I think. That's the thing that needs to be changed is there needs to be ultimately a, an idea of, okay, let's at least have them come to mind, at least be like, sheesh, okay, let me at least think of this player or this assistant or somebody, at least have them come to mind and not, I'm going to say not courtesy, but at least have them give the opportunity of, okay, let's give them an interview and see what, what they can do. Um, so again, hopefully we'll see some changes. We've seen substantially, I think, a higher consciousness of the issues of minorities in both British and world football. And hopefully we'll see something change, but that's kind of our little bit, our little two cents on it. 
Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's good to to. I think there's a good topic that we don't really talk about a lot. Uh, they're more addressing the U.S. in in most of the U.S. sports, mm-hmm. but not not in in Europe. And I think this is good that these topics are coming. I'm glad Sidorf brought it up. Maybe that will open eyes in to to people. Maybe you know there's something we call unconscious bias, right? And now that Sidorf is bringing it up, maybe that will open some people consciousness. So okay. so so it's good. It's good. I think those discussions are very good. I do too. So for those that don't know. This is Patrick and we've got Harris as well. Please remember, subscribe to Foreign Football Pod on all social media channels and on YouTube as well. Thank you from my side. Harris, any other closing remarks to our audience? Uh, Thank you guys for listening to us. It's always a pleasure. Please submit your question or content you want us to discuss as well. Again, we, we try to bring you the soccer news or football news sorry i think i'm becoming too american now uh, <laughs> football news that touch all topics around the world so if you have any any questions suggestions feel free to to let us know stay tuned and always it's a pleasure enjoy to uh, dissect some football news my boy patrick always a pleasure brother absolutely same here as well Harris. thank you again pal likewise cheers everyone cheers